Well, hey everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. In this episode of our podcast, we are starting into a brand new series of sermons where we're going to be exploring some of Jesus's most well-known parables. Now, if you don't know, a parable is just a short story that has a point to it, and it's also been said that it even has a skewer. So the stories that we're going to be looking at, they're going to make us take a deeper look at ourselves and our faith. And it starts today with the parable of the sower. Now, in the parable of the sower, Jesus tells us about a farmer who is scattering a seed. But this farmer is not very careful with the way that he sows that seed. He scatters it around without much thought at all. And today we're going to see what this parable has to teach us about who God is and who God wants us to be. So let's get right into this episode sermon. So if you've joined us at all since we started worshiping together online back in March, then you've probably figured out that I'm a pretty big kid at heart. I mean, every week I've had a different little action figure that's been hanging out over my shoulder in these videos. Those figures have ranged from professional athletes to political figures all the way to pop culture icons. There's even a couple of different figures that are hanging out over my shoulders right now, and we just moved into our church offices a few days ago. On top of that, you've also heard me preach sermons over the last six months that have been inspired by comic book characters and young adult literature and a blockbuster movie or two. But as much as I love all of these things, the one thing that keeps me a kid at heart the most is my love of all things Disney. Now, I could try to blame my love of Disney on the fact that I have an eight-year-old daughter who has grown up watching everything from Alice in Wonderland to Zootopia. But the truth is, my love of Disney started about 26 years before my daughter was born. Now, I know, I know that 26 years, it sounds oddly specific. But 26 years before my daughter was born, I was just four years old. And when I was four years old, my family made our very first trip to Disneyland out in Anaheim, California. And that trip to Disneyland... It was the first time that I got to meet Mickey Mouse in person. That trip to Disneyland was the first time that I got to ride on Space Mountain. That trip to Disneyland was the first time that I got to come home with my very own Disney souvenir. And it may be a little hard to tell from this picture, but that's a Donald Duck hat on my head. And that hat, well, it was the beginning of a lifelong collection. But... As much as I love Disney, it might surprise you that after my first trip to Disneyland when I was only four years old, it took me another 25 years before I really made it back to another Disney park. In 2011, I attended a conference down in Tampa, Florida, and I somehow managed to convince my wife that we should go to Disney World after that conference came to an end. And I can't begin to tell you just how excited I was about that trip. I mean, I had 25 years worth of Disney magic that I needed to catch up on, so I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait to visit the Magic Kingdom and go flying through the air on Dumbo, or whirling around in one of the Mad Hatter's teacups, or sailing in a little boat where some kind of creepy-looking dolls reminded me that it's a small world after all. I also couldn't wait to go and visit the Animal Kingdom and come face-to-face with a Yeti on top of Mount Everest and sit a stone's throw away from the King of the Jungle while I was riding on a wilderness safari and kick back and watch the musical versions of two of my favorite Disney films, The Lion King 
in Finding Nemo. I also couldn't wait to go and visit Hollywood Studios and scream my lungs out on the Tower of Terror and take the stage for a backlot tour around a Hollywood soundstage and compete against my wife for the highest score at Toy Story's Midway Mania. And I also couldn't wait to go and visit Epcot and take a voyage through outer space in a rocket and go hang gliding over the coast of California and even play a crash test dummy on Test Track. And I've got to tell you that once we made it to Disney World, it was amazing. It was. The rides and wandering around the parks and meeting the characters, it all made for an incredible vacation. It was so much fun that my family tries to make it back there whenever we get the chance. But I also have to admit that with all of the fun that I had, with all of the attractions that we got to enjoy, there was really one ride that absolutely surprised me. And no, I'm not talking about being surprised by one of the sudden drops on the Tower of Terror or learning that the camel statues outside of Aladdin's flying carpets actually spit water at guests. Believe it or not, the ride that surprised me the most was actually a slow little boat ride around part of Epcot that's called Living with the Land. Now, for those of you who haven't been fortunate enough to visit the most magical place on Earth and enjoy this ride for yourself, let me tell you a little bit about it. Living with the Land is a 14-minute boat ride that explores agricultural advances in the rainforest, Africa, and beyond. When the ride begins, you're carried off to a massive rainstorm in some fictitious forest where you begin to learn about agriculture. From there, the ride moves you through different climates like the Amazon rainforest and an African desert and even the American prairie to show you some of the advances that have been made in agriculture over the years in each one of these areas. And if I'm being completely honest with you today, I gotta tell you that I wasn't overly impressed with that part of the ride. I mean, I was off and I was on vacation, so I didn't exactly want to be learning that kind of stuff, and agriculture's never been one of my huge interests. But the ride quite literally took a turn for the better when we rounded one bend and came into Epcot's experimental greenhouse. Now, Disney uses this greenhouse to try out experimental growing techniques that will influence the future of agriculture across the world. They have a tropical greenhouse that shows off plants from, surprisingly enough, the tropical areas of the world. So we're talking that they grow bananas and pineapples and papayas and one really freaky looking fruit called a dragon fruit there. They have another greenhouse that showcases large-sized crops, which include giant pumpkins and sunflowers and much, much more. But for me, the coolest greenhouse was the one that they call the String Greenhouse. This greenhouse it shows off vertical growing techniques. And what exactly is a vertical growing technique? Well, do you remember those commercials from several years back for something called the Topsy-Turvy? Well, the topsy-turvy was like a bag that you hung on your porch that had tomatoes that would grow out of the bottom of it. Well, that's a vertical growing technique. But just like everything else that Disney does, Disney took these vertical growing techniques to their absolute limits. I mean, they literally had watermelons that were hanging in midair off of their vines. 
You know, it amazes me how far we've come in the area of agriculture. It amazes me how much we've learned about the soil that we grow in, or the root systems of the plants that we plant, or the best ways for us to use our resources to guarantee the biggest harvests possible. It also amazes me how much time and effort and energy are spent when we're planning out the best ways for us to plant a field, when all I thought that you had to do was to just stick a little seed into the ground and cover it back up with some dirt. Now, at this point in the sermon, you're probably ready for me to get to the point. I mean, it's kind of felt like the first ten minutes of the sermon was just a great big advertisement for Disney World. But I told you all of this stuff because I couldn't help but think back to the experimental greenhouse at Disney World when I started reading the parable that we're going to be talking about today. So, today at Melbourne Heights, we are starting into a brand new series of sermons where we're going to be exploring some of the parables that Jesus taught us. And a parable is basically a short story that has a point to it. And in the parable that we're going to be looking at today, Jesus tells us about a farmer who is sowing his seed. But this farmer is nothing like one of the people that worked in the greenhouse at Epcot. The people that work at Disney and Epcot, they are meticulous about everything. They research everything, and they do that to try to learn the best possible ways that they can grow plants and vegetables. But that's not what the farmer in this parable is going to do. Instead of being meticulous and carefully plotting out the very best possible way to grow his plants, well, let's just say that this farmer is going to take a different approach. So let's take a look at Matthew chapter 13, and we'll see what I mean. We'll start reading in verse 1. Here's what it says. That same day, Jesus went out of the house, and he sat by the lake. A large crowd gathered around him, so he got into a boat, and he sat down, while the people stood on the shore. Then Jesus used stories to teach them many things. He said, A farmer went out to plant his seed. While he was planting, some seed fell by the road, and the birds came and ate it all up. Some seed fell on rocky ground where there wasn't much dirt. That seed grew very fast because the ground was not deep. But when the sun rose, the plants dried up because they did not have deep roots. Some other seed fell among the thorny weeds, which grew and choked the good plants. Some other seed fell on the ground where it grew and produced a crop. Some plants made a hundred times more, some made sixty times more, and some made thirty times more. Let those with ears use them and listen. Now, I don't know about you, but after visiting the Living with the Land attraction at Disney World and seeing all the work that the people who work in that greenhouse go through just to try to get their plants to grow, I gotta tell you, I think this farmer is nuts. I mean, this guy seems to be spitting in the face of all of the best agricultural practice that we know about right now. Instead of planting in good soil that has been cultivated for the maximum results, this guy is out there throwing seed around all willy-nilly. So let's be honest here. If you or I were to plant a garden, the farmer in this parable, he's the last guy that we go to to ask for some advice. So when we first read this parable, it feels like the moral of this story, the lesson it's trying to teach us, is that we shouldn't be like this farmer. 
This farmer has wasted his time, he's wasted his energy, he's wasted his effort. Instead of sowing seed on a, on a path or on rocky ground or among thorns, he should have focused all of his efforts on the best possible soil. You don't even have to be a farmer to know that. If you want something to grow, you plant it in good, in good soil. If you want something to grow, then you plant it in good soil. You know, that's something that our church has thought a lot about over the last three years. Three years ago, we made the difficult decision to sell our building because the cost of owning and maintaining a building was keeping us from being the church that God has called us to be. And once we made the decision to sell our old building, we knew. We knew that we would have to plant our church someplace new. So we spent a lot of time over the last three years thinking about the right place to plant our church. We passed out surveys to all of our members and our regular attenders, asking you about the ideal location for our church to meet in. Then we looked at some census information and got a full demographic study of our area just so we would know where people live and what needs they might have that we could minister to. We did Google searches and we reached out to our denominational offices to know where other churches are meeting at in our city. And we toured lots and lots of properties over the course of the last three years before we made the decision about where our new offices are at and where we'll worship when we resume meeting in person together somewhere down the road. And the truth is that if we didn't do any of these things and all of these things, then it would mean that we had not done our homework and that we were wasting the valuable resources that God has blessed our church with. But that's not what the farmer does in this parable we just read. He doesn't make a plan. He just scatters his seed all around. And some of it, and some of that seed grows and thrives, but a lot of it withers and dies. So if this guy was planning a church, it feels like he'd just throw a dart at a map and see what happens. But here's the thing. Before we spend too much time condemning this farmer for his crazy behavior, there's a little bit more to this story. You see, after Jesus tells the parable of the sower, he does something that he doesn't usually do. Jesus actually goes on to explain the meaning of this parable for us just a couple of verses later on. So let's see what else Jesus has to tell us. We'll pick back up in verse 18. Here's what it says. So listen to the meaning of that story about the farmer. What is the seed that fell by the road? That seed is like the person who hears the message about the kingdom, but does not understand it. The evil one comes and he takes away what has been planted in that person's heart. And what is the seed that fell on rocky ground? That seed is like the person who hears the teaching and quickly accepts it with joy. But he does not let the teaching go deep into his life, so he keeps it only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the teaching he accepted, he quickly gives up. And what is the seed that fell among the thorny weeds? That seed is like the person who hears the teaching, but lets worries about this life and the temptation of wealth stop that teaching from growing. So the teaching does not produce fruit in that person's life. But what is the seed that fell on the good ground? That seed is like the person who hears the teaching and understands it. 
that person grows and produces fruit, sometimes a hundred times more, sometimes 60 times more, and sometimes 30 times more. So just as I was starting to condemn the farmer in this story, just as I was about to write him off as a nut job, Jesus gives us a hint about who this farmer really is. And the farmer in this parable isn't just some fictitious farmer planted in Jesus' story to throw around some seed. No, the farmer in this parable, he serves as an analogy for God. As soon as I understood that this farmer represents God, I had to ask a new question. And that question is, what does this story tell us about God? And I had to ask what this story tells us about God because my initial impression of the farmer in this story was completely wrong. Because I know, I know that God isn't a nut job who is just throwing around seed because he can. So there must be something else that I was missing in the story. And that's when it hit me. In this parable, the seeds that are being scattered They represent the good news of the kingdom of God. So the farmer in this story, God, he scatters the seed everywhere because he wants everyone to hear the good news. So this parable is, at least in part, a parable that reminds us that God's love has no limits. God's love has no limits. And that's a message that our church really needs to hear right now. And we need to hear this message that God's love has no limits because we have spent years living with limitations as a congregation. To be totally honest here, the place that we found ourselves in financially, it kept us from being the church that God called us to be and doing the work that God was calling us to do. We overextended ourselves. We took out a mortgage that was just too big for our church to afford. So year after year, we had to devote more and more of our resources to paying down that mortgage. And that meant that we had less and less to do the work and the ministry that God wanted us to do. But all of that changed a couple of weeks ago when we finalized the sale of our old building. When we finalized the sale of our old building, our mortgage was completely paid off. When we finalized the sale of our old building, we no longer had to maintain a property that was decades old. When we finalized the sale of our old building, we could stop worrying about how much money was sitting in our checking account for the first time in a long time. Or to borrow Jesus' analogy from this parable, when we sold our old building, we no longer had to worry about finding the absolute perfect soil for us to sow our seed in. And make no mistake about it, that when we didn't have many seeds that we could sow, we did everything that we could to try to find the perfect place to plant them in. So now that our old building is sold, all of those limits are gone. And now our church can be like the farmer in the story. Now our church can be like the God who created us and who God wants us to be. Now our church can sow our seed. We can share the good news of Jesus anywhere and everywhere that God wants us to. So as we enter into this new phase in the life of our church, I want you to think and I want you to pray about what it means for us to be a church without limits. I want you to think and pray about where God wants us to scatter the seeds of his good news in our community and in our world. 
I want you to think and I want you to pray about the future and to dream of the harvest that our church will get to be a part of as we share the good news of Jesus in our world. But I also want you to realize that every ministry that we undertake and not every mission that we're a part of will be fertile ground that will produce some huge harvest. Some of the things that we're going to try are going to fail. Some of the soil that we sow the seeds of God's good news into are going to be too shallow or too dry or too rocky or too weedy for the good news to take root there. But some of the places that we're going to sow the good news of Jesus are going to bring in a harvest a hundred times or sixty times or thirty times more than we could possibly imagine. So let's commit ourselves to sowing the good news. Let's commit ourselves to sharing the good news of Jesus. Let's commit ourselves to being like the farmer and doing everything that we can to reach the world. Because you never know where we might find good ground, where God's love will grow and spread. Let's pray together. God, as we come to you now in this time of prayer, we thank you for this parable of the sower. And God, yes, at first when we hear this story, it sounds like this the farmer is kind of crazy. Just out there scattering seed wherever it may fall, God. But when we remember that the farmer in this story is an analogy for you, you show us how we are supposed to live, God. God, you scatter your good news anywhere and everywhere because you want everyone to hear it and have the chance to receive it, to allow that the seed of your good news to take root in our hearts and in our lives and transform us forever. God is a church over the last several years. You know that we have been fixated on trying to find the perfect soil that we could plant your good news in and even our church going forward. in. God, with every one of these decisions that we've had to make, we have been reminded of the way that we've tried to limit your good news. But now as we enter into a new phase, a new chapter in the life of Melbourne Heights Baptist Church, allow us to see a faith beyond limitations. Allow us to share your good news, to spread your good news anywhere and everywhere that you want us to, God. And allow us to see that harvest a 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold harvest of the seed that we sow for you. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for joining us for this episode of our sermon podcast. And I hope that you've been challenged today to see God as a limitless God, a God who doesn't cut any of us off, a God who wants his good news to be shared to everyone. And I hope that challenges you to find new people that you can share the good news of Jesus with as well. Now, next week, we'll be back with another episode where we're going to continue to explore these parables that Jesus taught in. Next week, we're going to be looking at what might just be the most famous parable Jesus ever taught, and that's the parable of the Good Samaritan. So come back and join us next week. Our next episode will drop Sunday at noon. If you subscribe, it'll be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. And I also want to invite you to join us anytime live on Sunday mornings for worship. You can join us any week. We meet at at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time on our church website. That's mhbclouisville.com slash live. We'd love to have you with us. So until next time, I hope that you guys have a great week this week. I'm praying for you, and we'll see you back here next Sunday for another sermon podcast.